All right. Good evening, everyone. Afrelich and Chanukah. It is uh, an incredible sus. I really want to thank Michal so much for the Weisberg Mishpacha for opening their home. Baruch Hashem. It's always uh, always a great zuchos. Baruch Hashem to be able to go ahead and share Torah here in Eretz Yisrael. I think always part of the beauty when we come to Eretz Yisrael. Part of the beauty always is like different venues to be able to to share Torah. It's just uh, sharing with some people. Last night, Baruch Hashem, so Aviva and the girls and I were zochah to be down south in Nitivot, in, uh, in an army base just a couple of kilometers away from, from the border, from the Gaza border, and had the opportunity to address a group of soldiers to share. They wanted, it's always awkward, and they asked for like, they asked for divrei hisorus. You know, it, it, it's the most imbalanced equation one could possibly imagine. But only in Eretz Yisrael, you know, can you have such varied experiences within such a short amount of time. So last night, Baruch on the fourth night of Hanukkah, I'll just share with you what I, what I, what I shared over there, which I thought was just such an amazing thing, is last night was the fourth night of Hanukkah. You know, one of the, we're going to talk about some of the major machloksim, some of the major disputes that revolve around Hanukkah. But it's interesting, one of the major machloksim is machlokus of Hashem Beisilal. Actually, you know what? We'll save it for this year. Anyway, it's a great schos b'achshem tonight to be in Ramat Hashkol. So again, literally again from one end of the Jewish people to the other end of the Jewish people, over the course between the fourth and fifth nights of Hanukkah, our shir tonight is sponsored by the Weisberg and Zeilengold families, Le'ilu'i Nishmas, Rina, Bracha, Bas, Yehuda. Allah, Shalom, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. So let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah. So we're familiar again with the Gemara Masech Shabbos. The Gemara Masech Shabbos, Daf Chafalif on the base 21b, talks about the concept of Hanukkah. Now, when the Gemara introduces us to the concept of Hanukkah, Hanukkah revolves around which event? Which event? If you don't answer, I'm going to call my daughters. I'm just going to be humiliating for them, right? So again, what's the pivotal event of Hanukkah? Good, military victory or next to the Pach Shaman, right? Again, th- those are the two primary things and they find expression in different ways. Remember again, in Alanisim, we speak a little bit about the military victory as well as about the next of the Pach Shaman. And again, but the Hanukkah itself and the observance of Hanukkah finds its expression in the kindling of the menorah. So again, so pretty much we have an eight-day yamtiv, an eight-day yamtiv celebrating an incredible miracle, a beautiful miracle, Chashmonoim, after defeating the Syrian Greeks. And just to give a little bit of context, you know, often when we think about Hanukkah, when we think about Hanukkah, so we think about this image of the Chashmonoim coming back into the Beis HaMikdash, and they can't find a jug of oil. You know, there's a little detail of the story that often goes overlooked. It's not just oil that was missing. What else was missing? What else was missing? The menorah. Remember again, the Greeks took everything of value. The menorah was solid gold. So when the Chashmonim come back to the Beis Hamikdash, forget about oil. Oil was the least of their problems. There were there was no menorah. So the Gemara Masechus Menachos actually says so beautifully. So what did they use for the first year? It's actually an incredible Gemara. The Gemara says that year number one they took their spears, they bundled their spears together into the form of a menorah. The Gemara says Hayashiru. Then they got a little bit more money. They made it next year out of tin. The following year out of copper. The following year, and again, so on, silver. Until finally, sometime later on, they reestablished a golden menorah. So it just contextualizes it a little bit. It's not just about oil. It's about walking into a base hamikdash that has nothing, that is totally void of any semblance of what you saw just a few years earlier. So, but nevertheless, the miracle is focused on the Pach Shemen. One little jug of oil that should have only remained lit for one night, 
miraculously stays lit for eight nights. If I were to ask, okay, beautiful. Again, we all know the story. If I were to ask you, what's the problem with this narrative? What bothers you about it? So have a miracle about a cruise of oil. What's the problem? And no one has any... So excellent. So first of all, again, in a general halachic sense, there's a concept that we really didn't need ritually pure oil, right? At the end of the day, there's a concept, without getting too technical over here, there's a concept of tumah which is that when 51% of Klal Yisrael is Tameh, technically the laws of tumah are suspended. Are suspended, which means that they could have even lit with ritually impure oil. Good. Excellent. So that's question. That's, and again, one of the famous questions on Hanukkah. Good. What else? What else? We're talking about celebrating a miracle. Beautiful. So what bothers you about this? We just want a war. Why are we celebrating just the oil? That's like Excellent. so insignificant compared to the war. Great. Beautiful. See, I always count on the Baltimore people. <laughs> Hashem. Good. Right. Excellent. In other words, that look at what's happened over here. There was, remember, what do we say in Alanisim? Baruch Hu gave over Rabim Biyad Ma'atim. Rabim Biyad Tmeim. Biyat Tehorim, Giborim Biyat Chaloshim. There is such an overwhelming military victory, something that came as a total shock, a total surprise. And the truth is, as far as our observance of Hanukkah goes, it's almost totally ignored. Right? It finds its expression in davening, but it doesn't really find its expression in our, in our observance of the Amdav. Good, excellent. What else? What else? Let me ask you this question. Do we celebrate every single miracle that occurred in the base of Mikdash? No. There's a Mishnah Mesech HaSavas. Mishnah Mesech HaSavas, Perakei Mishnah writes, Asara Nisim Na'asu Lavosinah Be'Beis HaMikdash. There were 10 miracles that occurred for our forefathers in the base of Mikdash. 10 constant miracles. And the Mishnah goes through all of them. We're not going to go through all of them right now. But dramatic miracles. How many of those miracles do we memorialize? And the answer is zero. Zero. In other words, you can look at the Mishnah, Parakeh Mishnah, and it goes through the list. But aside from listing the miracles, there's no observance of those miracles. There's no zecher to those miracles. So here, I get it. A little jug of oil lasting for eight days, I'm, I'm not minimizing it at all. It's incredible, it's beautiful, it's dramatic. But the truth is, it's just one of many miracles within the Beis Hamikdash. And if we're not memorializing the consistent and constant miracles that occurred day in and day out, why go ahead and commemorate commemorate this one episodic miracle? That's the fundamental question. So the answer to this has to be as follows. Miracles, Chaim Shmolevitz, Zechitad Levracha, discusses this concept where he says miracles fall into one of two categories. What do we mean? There are what he calls utilitarian miracles. He doesn't call it that, but we'll call it that for tonight. Utilitarian miracles and message miracles. What's, well, how, give me an example of a utilitarian miracle. Right? Utilitarian miracle is a miracle that serves a purpose or addresses an acute need. What's an example of that? Classic example of that. Yamsuf. Right? Yamsuf, splitting of the sea. Klal Yisrael, again, remember, is leaving Mitzrayim. So the Egyptians are right behind us. The sea is in front of us. So there are one of two options. What are the two options? Either die or Akash Baruch splits the sea. So that ultimately is a necessary miracle. That has to be done 
in order for us to go ahead and survive. And you can find the Mun, right? The Be'er of Miriam. You could fill the, a long list of miracles that are necessary, ultimately for the continuity of Cloud Yisrael. Those are utilitarian miracles. But then there are other kinds of miracles where HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't need to do it. I'll give an example of a miracle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't need to do. An example. Unnecessary miracle. Pach Shana, Right? Chanukah. Remember, let, let's play this out. Let's say the oil wouldn't have lasted for eight days. What would have happened? What would have happened? <laughs> Nothing would have happened. In other words, so we, right? The menorah would remain lit for one day. And then again, seven days later, when we are once again in a state of tara, state of ritual purity, we would have made more oil. Okay. So in other words, don't get me wrong. This is great. This is beautiful. It's fantastic. But not necessary. In other words, the world would have gone on. We would have still been here tonight, right? Cloudy soul would have still been just fine had the miracle, had the oil not lasted eight days. But let's work backwards. So therefore, the miracle of the Pach Shaman is an unnecessary miracle. It's an unnecessary miracle. If a miracle is unnecessary, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu does it anyway, what does that tell you? What do you think? I'm sorry? That, okay, good, right? That it was necessary as well. did it, good. But on a deeper level, so if it wasn't quote-unquote necessary, in other words, I didn't need it, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it anyway, why did he do it? To teach us something. This is the second category of miracles that we call message miracles. And message miracles are miracles, again, I don't need it. I don't need it. It doesn't have to be done. It doesn't have to be done. But at the end of the day, there's a message. I'll give you just another example from last week's parsha about a message miracle. We know the story of Yosef, one of the most traumatic and dramatic stories in the entire Chumash. Brother against brother. Literally, again, Yosef stripped of his clothing, his dignity, he's sold. Torah tells us that the brothers decide not to kill him and they sell him to a caravan of Yishma'elim. Torah goes out of its way to tell us that the Yishma'elim were transporting Nechoz Velot, Lotus, lotus plant, lotus plant. Rashi says, why start telling me what they're carrying? So Rashi says, because normally these, these caravans used to carry the most foul-smelling stuff. But in the schus of Yosef, the caravan was going ahead and carrying sweet-smelling items. So what's your question on that? What's your question on that? Let, let me just paint this scenario for you over here. It's a very like quiet group over here. This is like all right. Hey, so so let let l- l- let me paint the picture for you, right? Imagine you're Yosef, right? You're Yosef. Literally, you've been stripped of your dignity, stripped of your clothing. You don't know why your father sent you to your brothers who really dislike you, and that's an understatement. Your whole life, your mother is long gone, right? Rachel Emanuel had passed away already beforehand. Your whole world is just turned upside down. Can you imagine Yosef's in that caravan being transported like a piece of property? Do you think like he stopped and he's like, is that lotus? You know, like, like hmm, wow, wow, what is that? Right? With potpourri, like, wow, what a, what a beautiful scent. That's what Yosef's going to... So Chesh Levitz also points out on this. He says, you're right, you're right. It was a message miracle. It was an aberration from the norm so that Yosef should realize what was happening to him was not random or haphazard, that there was Yad Hashem in everything. Message miracles don't alleviate problems. 
Message miracles don't address crises. Message miracles are the way that the Ribbono Shel Olam communicates with us, sometimes even day in and day out, right? Think about just, think about how, well, fine. So that, that's Hanukkah. That's Hanukkah. So now we begin to understand a little bit more. So even though, again, the Mishnah tells us that there were 10 miracles that occurred in the Mesa Mikdash, yet none of them are memorialized. None of them are eternalized, right? We can read, again, you can look it up in the Mishnah, Perek Hey, hey, Perek Mishnah, hey. But we don't have any yomtiv that commemorates it. We don't have any observance, no practices, nothing. Yet Hanukkah, yet Hanukkah, we do go ahead and memorialize the miracle of the Pach Shemin, even though that miracle is no more significant than any of the miracles listed in Mishnah Perkyavos. So why do we memorialize the Nes of the Pach Shemin? Why? It must be because there's a message. That there's a, and this is so incredibly important for us. You know, sometimes one of the most difficult things in Yiddishkeit is that we become so proficient in the details that we forget the message, right? Everyone knows how to light the menorah. Who's obligated? When should you do it? At what time? Outside, inside. We all know these halachas. But sometimes you can go through an entire yantif, you can go through an entire lifetime, and yet you never really get into the neshama of the mitzvah. So here I'm kindling this menorah every single night to commemorate the miracle of Pach Shemin. Beautiful. A miracle that we didn't really need. A miracle we didn't really need, but a Kaddish Baruch who still did it for us regardless. So the only thing I could think of is it must be, it must be that at the end of the day, the miracle contains and conveys a message. The Shaila is, so what is it? What is the message of Hanukkah for us? What is the message of the Pach Shemin? Now, of course, first of all, I want to share with you, I don't, there's not one answer to this. Right? There, there are many different answers and many, many, many levels of understanding. I want to share with you kind of two concepts that really coalesce into one thought. The two most dramatic disputes when it comes to Hanukkah, halachic disputes. What are the two most dramatic halachic disputes when it comes to Hanukkah? Good. So, so which way? Which way to which way? Good. Excellent. So, good. So number one, Machlokis, excellent. Machlokis and Shaim Beisilo. How do you light? So again, this is the Gemara Masech, Shabbos, Chaf, Aleph, Omid, Beis, 21b. So the Gemara says, Beishamai Omrim, Yom Rishon Madlik Shmona. Beishamai says, on night number eight, on night number one, sorry, you light eight candles. You start with the full menorah, eight candles. Mikan ve'elech, Pocheis v'holech. And on every subsequent night, you remove a candle. So Beishamai, you start with eight, you go to one. Ubeisila omrim yom rishon madlik achos. Beisila says no. On the first night, you light one candle. Mikan ve'elech mosif v'holech. You add in one. You add on one candle each night. So I started mentioning before. So last night, when we were zocha to be at this at this army base, so I said over to the chaver there, the beautiful Baal Shantav. The Baal Shantav says that there's one night of Hanukkah where there's perfect shalom. What's the one night of Hanukkah with this perfect shalom? The fourth night, last night. Why? Because whether you are Beishamai or whether you are Beishilal, one night of Hanukkah, everyone's menorah looks exactly the same. That's the school of the school of the fourth night of Hanukkah is the school of Achdos. 
is the school of being ishechad belevechad, of complete unity within Kalal Yisrael. There's machlokes. Every other night, not just the Hanukkah, every other night of the year, right, there's some machlokes. One night of the year, the universe for Kalal Yisrael is in perfect harmony, and there's no machlokes. There's no machlokes. Everyone's lighting four neros. So this is fundamental machlokes number one. Beishamai, eight to one, what we call pochis v'holich, you diminish. Beisilel, mosif v'holich, one to eight. That's machlokes number one. What's the second machlokes? Major machlokes. I'm sorry? Good. I actually made it say there's more than two machlokes. Good. The other one is right to left or left to right. Excellent. Good. Good. Another one? I'm sorry? Where to light, meaning what? Good. Again, Lord, where should one light? Again, the Pesach, or ultimately, again, this is also a fundamental discussion. Allah, good. All right, there's many more than two machloks so I'm coming to realize. Good. Good. What's the second one that I'm looking for? There's another interesting machlokes of Hanukkah versus Hadlaka. Meaning what? So the Gemara deals with the following situation. When We'll get technical here for just a moment. When is it that one fulfills the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah? Is it at the moment that you light the menorah or when you place the menorah down? That's the Machlokas. Now, just, just to illustrate how this plays out. Let's say, let's say, I light my menorah in my kitchen, right? And then I bring it to the window. So am I the mitzvah? What would you say? Am I yotzi? I'll give you a hint. You cannot be wrong on this one. Right? It's a machlokas. Right? Why? If you hold hadlaka ose mitzvah, that the kindling is what affects the mitzvah, that means when you kindle the menorah, everything there has to be perfect. The menorah has to be in the right place. You have to, I'll give you another example of this. Let's say I light my menorah and there's only two minutes worth of oil in it. But then after I light it, I add in more oil. Am I yotse or not? So again, if you hold hadlaka, that the act of kindling creates the mitzvah, you're not Yotze. Because in order, if you hold Hadlaka Ose Mitzvah, anything and everything you need to fulfill the mitzvah has to be present at that moment you kindle. If you hold Hanukha, the placement affects the mitzvah, then the truth is, as long as at some point I place it down in the right place, L'Shem Mitzvah Sner Hanukkah, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. So two major Machloksim that at first glance have nothing to do with each other. But I want to share with you an incredible, incredible idea, which I think then comes full circle. There's a beautiful insight by the Shem Yishmuel. Shem Yishmuel is the Sakach Rebbe. And the Shem Yishmuel says like this. Actually, I want, I want to quote to you. I want to quote to you part of it. He says like this. Shem Yishmuel gives the following introduction. If I were to ask you, what is the Avoda of Hanukkah? What would you say? Like, right, there's always a personal, there's always a personal Avoda. So what is the Avoda of Hanukkah? I'm sorry? One more time. Beautiful. Become so in other words, recognizing through the miracle of the Pachsham and also recognizing all the miracles you have in life. Beautiful, good. What else? I'm, I'm sorry? So there is, in, in Hasidus, there's a concept of the Avoda of just staring at the Neros. Apik Habal has brought down that, remember, over Hanukkah, we light 36 neros. The Zohar brings down that when Akash Baruch Hu created the first light, the first light, which he subsequently hid away, that, that first light remained in the world for 36 hours. 
So the Svarim bring down that when you look at the fire of the Nechanukah, it's as if literally you're staring at that original light of creation. That's why many of the tzaddikim over the years spend hours just literally looking at the Neros Chanukah. Beautiful. So we have again, Hakaras Satov, looking at the Neros, good. What else? Any other thoughts? The Avodah, right? And this is an important question because we're observing Chanukah now. How do you know if you have fulfilled your observance of Chanukah? So what, what's the Avodah? I'm sorry? Learning the halachas. Beautiful. Beautiful. Good. Can't do anything without learning the halachas. Excellent. Any other thoughts? The Shemi Shmuel says like this. Shemi Shmuel says that the avoda of Hanukkah is tshuva. It's tshuva. Now the truth is, let's give a little bit of context over here. The avoda of every day is tshuva. Right? We, we like to think, often what we do is we kind of relegate tshuva to two weeks out of, to two months out of the year, right? Tshuva is an Elul and Tishrei thing, right? The rest of the year is then being busy doing the stuff that I'll have to do Tshuva for later, right? But, but in fact, in fact, the Avodah of Tshuva is all year round. It's always, I'm always supposed to be about Tshuva. That, 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 that's my goal. But specifically, the Shemi says that the Avodah of Hanukkah is Tshuva. Now, where does he get this from? It's a very, I, I think it's a very simple idea. Chanukah, remember again, Chanukah means a dedication. What happened on Chanukah? There was a rededication of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash was defiled. The Beis HaMikdash was mistreated. The Beis HaMikdash was not destroyed, but on the inside, it was so, it was, it was defiled. Chanukah represents the rededication of the Beis HaMikdash for its intended use. What's tshuva? What's tshuva? At its core, what's tshuva? You can't say repentance because no one knows what that word means really. Right? So what, what's tshuva? It's a rededication. Right? What tshuva, what tshuva is is saying, you know what? I have messed up in life and as a result, maybe I've defiled my bilvavi mishkan evna. Right? I, I have defiled my mikdash. My mikdash ma'at. I've, so tshuva is I want to clear out the debris from my personal base. Hamikdash and I want to rededicate myself. That's what Shuvah is. So Shem Yishmuel says, Chanukah, which celebrates the rededication of Beis HaMikdash, in reality, is a time that is mesugal, is a time that is ripe and unique and set aside for the avoda of Shuvah. If I were to ask you, what's the hardest part of Shuvah? Hardest part. So good. So probably one of the hardest parts is like hakara sachet, like being honest with myself enough to actually own up to what I've done wrong. Beautiful. What else? Changing. I'm sorry? Changing. Changing. Excellent. Good. Change. Right? The Ranchal brings down in his Akdamatim Sharim that it is easier to learn kal ha-Torah kula than it is to change one thing about yourself. Good. What else? I'll piggyback on the change piece a little bit, which is, I, 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 I won't speak personally. Sometimes one of the hardest things to tshuva is, where do I start? Right, because again, this is a group of nashim zidkaniyos, so fine. But maybe you have a friend who's not perfect, right? And like, for many of us, it's not like one thing I have to fix. It's multiple things I have to fix. Now, granted, some are more severe, some are less severe, some are more acute, some are less acute. But a lot of times what ends up happening with Shuvah is 
I don't know where to start. Like, how do I get this process started? So, what happens in life when you have a process you have to engage in, but you don't know where to start? So generally what happens is, people just don't start. So I'll tell you something interesting about tshuva. Anyone here ever have something they do tshuva for year after year after year? Good. Okay, right? Well, I, I think many of us have that. You ever wonder to yourself, like, why is that? It's not like I'm not a caring person. It's not like I'm lazy. I, I, I'm working on this. So something interesting. You know what often happens at tshuva? When we think about the process of tshuva, right? So I think about something that, you know, a moment in your life when you wanted to change. Often, what was the first thing you did in that process of change? The hardest. It's the hardest. But I'm saying, what's the first step we often take in change? No, no, everyone here is a finished product. All right, good. I'm sorry? A big step. A big step, right? Take take, Take a big step. Good, good. Uh, let, me, let me reframe it a little bit. Hold on to the big step for just a second because we're going to get to that mamish in a moment. I think often what ends up happening with people is when we think about tshuva, so it often becomes about things that we're taking on. Right? So now again, I want to make myself a better person. So what am I going to do? I'm going to daven with more kavana, which is beautiful. I'm going to say more tehillim. I'm going to say, you know, nishma 73 times in four minutes. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is that, that, I, that I'm going to take on, right? So it's interesting. It's interesting because consciously or subconsciously, whenever we think about the process of change, we always focus on positive dynamic things as opposed to actually affecting change inside of me. Now, taking on positive dynamic things is a good thing. It's beautiful. But that's actually not the first step to change, usually. Usually the first step to change is really identifying like what's misfiring, what's broken inside of me. And often it's about rectifying the negative before it is taking on the positive. And a lot of times in life, we don't get the necessary traction for the changes we wanna make because we're often a little bit misdirected in terms of where we need to go. So now let's bring this back to Hanukkah. So the Shem Yishmuel says that Hanukkah, the Yom Tov of rededication, is in its essence the Yom Tov of Tshuva. That's what Hanukkah, you want to know what Hanukkah, somebody asks you, how was your Hanukkah? Did you have a successful Hanukkah? How do you gauge a successful Hanukkah? And the answer is, was I, was I able to affect personalistic change? Did I change as a human being? Did I change as a person? Was I able to affect change within myself? If the answer to that is yes, that's the fantastic Hanukkah. And if the answer to that is no, it doesn't mean it was a bad Hanukkah. It means perhaps I observed like a mechanistic Hanukkah. I did what I was supposed to do, but I did not get to the neshama of Hanukkah. So the shayla is, how do we tap into the tshuva of Hanukkah? So listen to what the Shem Yishmuel says. The Shem Yishmuel says, now, one, one word of introduction this is already the third part of the introduction. Right? The Shem Yishmuel is something amazing. And this is something we often overlook. He says, Halacha. Right? People often look at Halacha. You know, in, in Halacha, there's an expression of Halacha Yevesha. Dry Halacha. Dry Halacha just means, you know, Mutter Aser, Tamei Tahar, Kasher Treif. You know, what's, what's the Halacha? What sometimes you don't understand is that Halacha has an Eshama also. That embedded within every single Halacha, is a deeper moral, ethical lesson as well. 
There is no such thing as a halacha that is simply a mechanistic detail. Every halacha has multiple layers of deeper understanding as well. So the Shemish Shmuel says like this. He says, the Machlok is Beisham and Beisilel. Machlok is Beisham and Beisilel. About whether or not you light eight to one, right? Poches Vaholech, like Beishamai, or Mosef Holech, one to eight, Shemish Shmuel says, is not simply a machlokes in just how you like the menorah. It's how you do tshuva. Listen to the words of the Rebbe, I want to quote it to you. He says, he says as follows. He says, Beishamai's idea. Beishamai says you go from eight to one. Poche is v'holech. Mitchila yashu b'tshuva shleimo. V'yitein daito alavonosav asher asimo mivado. V'yira shebechol eis yisma'atu ma'asav v'han hagosav asher lo tovim heima. Beishamai says, you know how you do tshuva? You know how you do tshuva? Identify all the things you're doing wrong. I know it sounds like you're like, I shouldn't have come tonight, right? Identify all the things you're doing wrong. Not to anyone else, to yourself. To yourself. A personal inventory. What are all the things I'm doing wrong? And then Meshavim says, what do you do? What do you do? Every day, try to tackle something different. And when you try to tackle something different every day, what do you do? Slowly but surely, you remove some of those negativities from your life step by step. Says the Shem Yishmuel, Beishamai says, on the first night you start with eight neiros. But here's what's incredible. In Beishamai's worldview, the eight neiros represent all of the things that are misfiring and broken inside of me. And then that's, what's my goal? By the time I get to the second night, seven neiros. Great news. I have addressed something. Now, by the way, addressing something doesn't mean, okay, like we're done, right? I've, I've, but it means is I'm addressing it. I'm addressing it. You know, what, one of the interesting things is a lot, a lot of controversy about this, but like people, people in, um, in addiction programs, like 12-step programs, what's interesting is if you ever speak to someone like, say, who's like a recovering alcoholic or, or any of the addictions, it's funny, people never say they've recovered. They're always in recovery. I've been sober for 30 years. I don't know, sober for 30 years? That kind of sounds like you're recovered, right? Like, no, that's not, the, it's, actually, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Why? Because there's an understanding that this is an avoda. This is an avoda. Can I say that it's done? That it's, no. So Beishamai's worldview, Beishamai says, okay, first night of Hanukkah, what do you do when you stand in your menorah? You find the courage to take out a piece of paper and to write down all the things that are broken. Write it all down. You don't have to share it with anyone, but find the time, take a half hour. Take a half hour to go ahead and literally take personal inventory. You know the most beautiful part of Neiros Hanukkah? The most beautiful part is the Isra Malacha that comes for the half hour after you light. You're not supposed to do anything. Now, for many of us, not doing anything is very complicated, especially I feel, I feel very old in this room. You're all young. So you also all grew up in a different generation with devices and all different things. So the notion of just like not doing something or not being involved or not chatting with someone sometimes can be a little bit difficult, but condition yourself to it. There is nothing more beautiful in the world than a half hour of solitude with yourself and the Neiros Hanukkah. It's not talking to people. It's not schmoozing with people. It's just being present in that moment. So Beisham says, what do you do with that? Inventory. Personal inventory. First night, 
Let it all out, right? Put it all down on a piece of paper. What's misfiring in your life? And then what do you do? You make a plan. The goal is over each night of Hanukkah to be able to take away one nair. And the taking away of one nair represents, I have found the courage to address one of the things that has broken inside of me. Have fixed it. I'm not saying I fixed it, but I'm addressing it. But I'm addressing it. And so can you imagine in Beit Shammai's house, the last night of Hanukkah, I just, see, we always think, this is incredible, right? I've always thought Beit Shammai is like the most anticlimactic ending to Hanukkah, right? It's last night of Hanukkah, and there's one nair. It's sad. Like, it seems like, like even like a shtickle pathetic. Like, one, that's what you got after eight days. But how incredible is that? How incredible is a Hanukkah where you could say, you know what? I started out with a whole bunch of stuff that was broken inside of me. And every single day of Hanukkah, I addressed something. And the removal of each of those Nero symbolizes, symbolizes that I'm addressing it. Now, you might ask, so I don't know, maybe how, how, what should you do on the last night? last night? Maybe there should be no Neros. Wouldn't that be incredible? But of course, what's Beishamai's answer to that? No such thing as no Neros. There's no such thing as a per. I mean, there is a such thing as a person who has nothing to work on. What do we call them? Dead. dead. Right, that's usually what we call them. Yeah, dead. No, even Sadiqim, right? Sadiqim always have plenty. Right? Sadiqim have plenty to work on. When a person is no longer in this world, you have nothing to work on. That's, that's absolutely true. You have nothing to work on. So you can never go down to zero candles. But in Shammai's worldview, the entire avoda of Hanukkah is to identify that which is broken and actively work on something each of the nights. Beis listen to this. So Beis on the other hand, holds. Beis says, here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you're going to force people to take an inventory of everything that's wrong and everything that's broken and force them to go ahead and confront that, what will most people do? Right? Most people will give, they won't even try. It's very difficult to introspect. And for many of us, it's painful to introspect. Again, this is a young chevro over here. So, you know, you, hopefully you don't have any life regrets or remorse or anything like that. But as you get older, you think about missed opportunities and you think about mistakes that you've made from which you cannot, you just can't turn back the clock. It just, it just, it is, it is what it is. And it's painful. So a lot of times introspection is a very difficult process because it forces me to confront like the ghosts of the past. And a lot of times they still says, if you force a person to do that, they're just going to walk away from the process. I don't mean walk away from there as Hanukkah, but remember, it's easy enough to light your menorah than what? Get busy with something else. So Basil says, I have a different suggestion for how to tap into the tshuva of Hanukkah. Don't worry about going ahead and taking a personal inventory. Don't worry about your averus. That, that's not the avodah. What's the avodah? Says Beisila, listen to this. He says, So he goes on. Essentially what Beisila says is, you want to engage in Shuvah? Push yourself to do something positive. Light one additional nair. According to Beis Hillel, the pathway to the tshuva of Hanukkah is filled not with introspection and not with identifying that which is broken and addressing that which is broken, just the opposite. I'm not thinking about that which is broken. I'm going to think about how I can bring more good into my life 
and more good into my world. So the first day of Hanukkah, I'm going to light one additional mare. That additional mare says, on the first day, I'm going to do something extra. What's the extra? Whatever you want it to be. You want it to be Torah. You want it to be Tefillah. You want it to be Chesed. You want it to be Achnasas Archim. You want it to be Gechol. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. But that's your Nair. And the Avodah over Hanukkah says, Beisilo, is every single day add something additional to your life. Add something additional. That's the Avodah. Now the truth is, okay, so fine. So this is the Shem Yishmuel. This is the Machlok Yishmuel. This is the Machlok so suddenly, again, it's not just a machlokas about how to light. It's a machlokas about how to, how to tap into the comprehensive, cathartic, tshuva power of Hanukkah. These are days of rededication. These are days in which we could change our lives. These are days that if we tap into the energy of these days, we could emerge fundamentally different people. So the machlokas is how do you tap into the energy? So Beishamai says, introspection, inventory, and every day tackle something. Take away something negative from your life every day. Basil says, no, don't do that, because if you do that, chances are you're just gonna give up. Instead, add some light of positivity. Add some goodness, add some tara, add some kedusha to your life each and every day. Yishem Yishmuel says, this is the same machlokas. Remember, this is machlokas one. What was machlokas two? Hadlaka. Versus Hanacha. What's the mitzvah near Hanukkah? When do you fulfill it? Is it the kindling? Or is it the places? Listen to what Shemesh Shmuel says. He says something amazing. He says, it's the same Achlogas. He says, Lahaniach, right? Hanacha means to put something down. But it could also mean to put something aside. Hanacha Osa Mitzvah says that if you want to become spiritually great, you have to identify the things that are broken inside of you, the things that are holding you back. You have to take them and you have to put them on the side. Hanacha Ose Mitzvah. Hadlaka Ose Mitzvah says now. The pathway to spiritual success is by igniting yourself with holiness. Engage in something positive. Engage in something beautiful. Take on something additional upon yourself. And through that, you could fundamentally change your life. Shem Yishmuel posits that these two machlokes are not independent machlokes. It's the same machlokes. It's the same machlokes. How do I tap into the comprehensive, cathartic power of Hanukkah to become a true Balchava? Is it personal inventory? Identifying the things that are negative, that are broken, that are holding me back? Beishamai, eight to one, Hanukkah Ose Mitzvah? Or no? Maybe it's just about pushing myself a little bit more. That so often in life, we're just so content with being mediocre, right? We look around and as long as I'm pretty much doing the same thing as everyone else, that must mean that I'm fine. Basil says, no, you're your own person. And you have your own tafkin and your own tachlis in this world. So Basil says, hadlaka osan, it's ignite yourself. Do something additional. Add an additional candle every single day. So who's right? Basil, Basil, who's right? Both, both. An excellent and safe answer, right? Both, but it's actually well said. During the year, who's right? What do you think? During the year. David Amal says in Tehillim, Sur Meirah V'yasetov. That's a playbook, right? That's, that, that's a plan for spiritual growth and development. So ultimately, again, who does that sound like? Sur Meirah V'yasetov, who does that sound like? Beishamai. 
during the year, the truth is, if you want to grow as a person, there are no shortcuts to growth. You know, it's interesting that, that today, you know, <laughs> everything, everything is about, I had someone, I had someone who, uh, who listened to a share and he actually sent me a message. And he said, Silver, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you that the shiurim are great. I really appreciate it. So inspirational. But if you could really work on keeping it to three minutes or less, I really like those sound bites, right? And it was so interesting, right? It's, and my wife says the same thing often also, right? Keep it. And, and I was like, I said, fine. But I said like, okay, this, this is now the time that we live in, right? The time that we live in is like, give it to me, give it to me fast, right? In other words, that like, I want to be inspired, but like kind of make it like a TikTok video. In other words, make it something short, make it something simple, put it on a WhatsApp group, right? I can listen at two points, two times speed. And like, come on, let's go, let's go which is a very dangerous mentality because that's not how Ruchnius happens. You, know, you, you could find episodic inspiration. In other words, yeah, you hear a story, you hear a vart, it's like incredible. And then what happens? And then what happens? Four seconds later, you're still the same person. In general, throughout the year, Beishamai is right. If you want to become the best version of yourself, there are no shortcuts to that. It is sur meirah v'yasetov. It is poches vaholech. You start at eight and you go down to one. Hanacha osa mitzvah. You identify the things that are holding you back, the things that are broken, and one by one you address them and remove them. But on Hanukkah, the halacha follows Beisilah, which is incredible. On Hanukkah, the halacha follows Beisilah. We know, how do we light the menorah? One to eight. We know we pass in halacha l'maysa, Right? You can't light your menorah like in the bathroom and then bring it out afterwards. It's got to be, oh, everything has to be said at the time that you came to live. On Hanukkah, we paskin like Beis Hillel. And now we come full circle and we understand the miracle of the Pach Shemin. We're not celebrating the fact that a little bit of oil went ahead and remained lit for eight days. First of all, to be honest, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do so many great things. That's not even like the best he could do. Right? It's, it's great, don't get me wrong. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do anything and everything. Remember, think about the fact that oil ignites in general. It's such a nice thing. Liquid, right? Liquid becomes the fuel for fire. That's a pretty incredible thing. So the idea over here of the miracle of the Pach Shemin, it's a message miracle. It's not a utilitarian miracle. So what is the message miracle? The message miracle is to teach us how to become Bali Tshuva. Hanukkah is a time that is ripe for change. A time that is ripe for change. And here's the incredible part. It's not difficult change the rest of the year. The rest of the year, if you really want to change, Beishamai. Beishamai. Chanukah, if you want to change, you can tap into the power of Beishelel. And all you need to do to fuel your personalistic journey is a little bit of additional positivity. Is a little bit of additional light. That's all one needs. A little bit of additional kidusha, a little bit of additional goodness. And you fill in the blank however you want to do it. If you're adding in one candle a night, hadlaka osa mitzvah, then you could become a balas tshuva over the course of these days. That is the power of Hanukkah. And while this message I think is true every year, I've said this in a couple of different shiurim over, over the course of the last two months, we are living in a time of great change, of overwhelming change. 
right? Our world has changed. Shmini Atzara, Simchas Torah in Eretz Yisrael, the world as we know it, it changed. Everything changed. And I don't just mean like here in Eretz Yisrael, things changed. Everything in the world changed. You know, when, I don't know if, don't know if some of you saw the news, when the, when the first group of hostages came out. So one of the things, it was fascinating, it was an article in Times of Israel that they were talking about was, they had to be very careful to shield the hostages from media. Not from interviews, but from reading media. Why? Because, remember, these people who were kept in captivity for 50 days, they didn't know what happened, right? They, they, they were taken captive on Simchas Torah. They've been gone for the last seven weeks. They don't know what happened to their loved ones. They don't know what happened to their communities. And they have no idea what was happening over the course of the last number of weeks over here. And you think about it. You think, I was, I was thinking about this. So can you imagine these precious neshamas after going through this ordeal, and then someone sits down with them and tells them everything that happened. And essentially, your entire world has changed. Your life will never be the same. Everything is different. And for those of us in America, with the rise of anti-Semitism, we felt so at home. We felt so at home. We felt such a part of everything there. And then we see it's not, people think anti-Semitism is, not, is new. It's not new. It's always been there. It's always there. It's just, this was the rupture that allowed like the lava to come out. This, this was the volcanic explosion that allowed all of that hatred that was always there. We shouldn't fool ourselves. It's not the shot that people became anti-Semites overnight. All of that hatred was always there. Just it was kept in check because there wasn't the ability to express it. Now there's the ability. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. Right? When we came to Eretz Yisrael last, uh, last, when did we come? Thursday. Erev Hanukkah. You know, you walk around, I don't know how it is here in Ramah Ashka, but you know, you walk around in the old city, you walk around even in town, and the truth is, it's empty. It's empty. It's empty. We went to, on Thursday, first time to the coastal, like uh, just to dump. Empty. Everything is different. Everything is different. The world as we know it has changed. But the incredible thing is that when you see such a dramatic koach of change in the world, that means we have the ability to tap into that as well. And we have the ability to also affect that level of change within ourselves. This is not a normal Hanukkah because it's no longer a normal world. The world as we knew it before Simchas Torah, that was one world. And now the world after Simchas Torah is going to be a different world. But if everything around us is changing, then we have the ability to tap into that dynamic as well. I would venture to say that every single one of us here has things that we've wanted to change about ourselves and within our lives over the last number of years, but haven't done it. This Hanukkah is the time to do it. Hanukkah is a time that is misugal for change in general. But Allah has come of a kama, a kama of a kama, Chanukah of Tosh, Tav Shin Pei Dalit, 5784. This is a young tip for change. And like Beis Hillel, we don't have to dig deep. You don't have to introspect. You don't have to air all of your difficult and dirty laundry. But you could just go out and decide, you know what? I want to do better. I want to live better. I want to be better. So I'm just going to push myself a little bit more. I just want to be a chassid of Beis Hillel, of Mosif HaOleich, of Hadlaka Osa Mitzvah. And again, it's already the fifth night. But on the other hand, it's only the fifth night. 
you could accomplish so much in one night of Hanukkah, let alone the remaining nights that we have. We should be Zilcha Merit Hashem to tap into this dynamic of change. To be Zilcha Merit Hashem to add additional positivity, but not just to be like a nice idea, but to actually put it into action. Tap into the winds of change that are blowing through cloudy Yisrael now and use it to affect personal change within ourselves just simply by adding additional positivity. And maybe if we make the most of tonight, the fifth night, the sixth night, the seventh night, who knows, maybe by Zos Hanukkah, Zos Hanukkah, which is the holiest day of Hanukkah, the night where according to Beis Hillel, the menorah is full. Maybe if each of us do our part in being most sifaholich, in hadlaka osanitzvah, maybe we'll be zolchem yeretz Hashem, not to light our menorahs here in our beautiful homes and with our families, we'll be zolchem yeretz Hashem to gather together by the third base hamikdash to see Aaron HaKohen come out. Can you imagine what Aaron HaKohen is going to look like when he comes out, right? In the big day kuhuna gedola, right? Comes out all beautiful and all holy and all pure and all of us are gathered together in the azar, in the courtyard of the base hamikdash just watching him come out ready to kindle the menorah. It doesn't have to be a dream. And it doesn't have to be a far-off dream. We have the ability to affect more change than we ever give ourselves credit for. And perhaps if we just internalize the messages of Beis Hillel and Halavai by this Zos Chanukah, we should be Zohar, to gather together in the Azara, to be by Rabbi to witness an incredible Tchiyas HaMesim where all of those who we have lost, not just over the last weeks, but over the last years, thousands of years, be reunited with their people and Halavai, we should be Zoha to celebrate all of that together with the Mashiach, Meher Rabbi Aminu. Amen. And again, I thank you to the Weisbergs for, uh, for hosting tonight. It's a great surplus.